0: This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. This week is Banned Books Week. Ahead, we'll hear from the president of the West Virginia Library Association to find out why certain books are targeted.
1: The book challenges seem to be cyclical. Some years they'll be really heavy, and then, you know, it'll hit a lull, and then it'll come back. So this was kind of like a response to that.
0: That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. A hotline has been set up to gather more information about abuses at a federal prison in Preston County. Chris Schultz has more.
2: The U.S. Attorney's Office is seeking information from witnesses or victims of physical assault while incarcerated at Federal Correctional Complex, Hazleton. William Ehlenfeld, U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of West Virginia, says that for the past several years, his office has received allegations of and investigated civil rights incidents at Hazleton.
0: We are interested in learning what Correction officers know, former inmates know, or members of the public know about incidents that have occurred at Hazleton, and we want those people who have information to know how they can get that information to us, and we wanted to make it as simple as possible.
2: Elenfeld says his office's goal is to enforce federal law, and the number and types of incidents coming out of Hazleton demands that more be done. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown.
0: Broadband internet connection from space is now available throughout West Virginia. Randy Yowie has more.
1: About 5,000 SpaceX Starlink satellites are now orbiting the Earth, able to provide Internet service to the highest mountain and deepest hollow. Starlink now has the capacity to clear its West Virginia waiting list and offer immediate Internet service everywhere but the restricted Green Bank Observatory area. Delegate Daniel Linville, Republican from Cabell County Chairs, the House Technology and Infrastructure Committee. He says this service offers an immediate option for any West Virginian to get connected.
3: It's true broadband
2: speeds where your kids can uh, game online if they wish, or you can stream movies or do telehealth or education or anything that you would need to do.
1: He says costs may range from 90 to $120 a month. For details and information on how to connect, go to our website, wvpublic.org. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston.
0: Breeze Airways celebrated its inaugural flight from West Virginia International Jaeger Airport to Tampa, Florida on Wednesday. Caroline McGregor reports. In June, airport officials announced a new nonstop flight would begin this fall to Tampa International Airport. The celebration of Wednesday's inaugural flight marks the third nonstop route for Breeze Airways with service available both Wednesdays and Saturdays. Jaeger Airport director Dominique Ranieri says Florida remains a popular destination for passengers who previously have connected to that state through Delta, United or American Airlines. There's also always been quite a nexus between people that retire from our state and and move to that area of Florida. So we anticipate a lot of people coming and going to visit family and friends here in West Virginia, but it's also a new opportunity to bring people from that area of Florida to West Virginia for all of our tourism offerings. Breeze Airways plans to add more flights over the next two years, including one to New York. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor. For the past several years, on a warm autumn afternoon at the end of September, the parking lot of West Virginia University's Coliseum fills with visitors. But they don't come to watch basketball. Chris Schultz has more.
2: Sloping down from the Coliseum in Morgantown to the banks of the Monongahela River, the university's core arboretum comprises about 100 acres of woodland, a space on campus dedicated to trees, it's an ideal setting for the WVU pawpaw festival.
3: It's an event to celebrate the pawpaw fruit, uh, which is the the largest fruit native to North America, the largest fruit native to this region, and it's it's a spectacularly delicious and actually quite common fruit that, for whatever reason, a lot of people these days have not
2: eaten. Zach Fowler is the director of West Virginia University's core arboretum and the organizer of the annual pawpaw festival. He says the pawpaw's appeal isn't in being exotic, but in being incredibly common.
3: It's not at all a rare tree. It's just that a lot of people haven't haven't eaten the fruit for whatever reason. And so it's kind of important for people to understand that there's this wonderful thing out there on the landscape that's it's been growing here for thousands of years. It's a native plant here, you know.
2: Free to the public, the festival's biggest draw is probably the opportunity for newcomers and acolytes alike to try cultivated pawpaws. The samples of river-named pawpaws served at the festival include Shenandoahs, Alleghenies, Potomacs, and Wabashes. Despite cutting up dozens of the fruit for others to try, student volunteer Dominic Mall has yet to try one himself. This is the Shenandoah. It does taste kind of mango It has like that mango texture with it. It's very sweet, and it's actually it's really nice. The festival draws people in from near and far, and Fowler says the furthest traveler he had met this year was from upstate New York. Yoshi Henderson had a shorter drive, but still came down from Pittsburgh after discovering a pawpaw tree near his office just a week ago. Never heard of it, didn't know there was like a tropical fruit native to the region, so I've been on a mission to try it, found out that this was going on, and so we drove down and finally got to try it, so I'm super excited now. We're going to plant a tree, and hopefully in a few years maybe we'll... Get some fruit out of it. So. Like Attendants could also listen to music, sample food made with pawpaws, buy their own trees, and learn more about how to cultivate their own pawpaws.
3: At that stage, they like the shade a little bit. You know, they like a little bit of protection from the sun.
2: Nick Elmore, a chemistry student from Martinsburg, also volunteered at the festival. He said he grew up with pawpaws in his backyard and didn't expect them to draw so much fanfare. There's not really festivals for like bananas or... Other fruits, you know, but pawpaw, I guess, is like a cultural thing around here. They only grow in certain areas, and there's even a town called Pawpaw, West Virginia. So it definitely is like a local thing that I guess we need to hold on to. Ultimately, Fowler says the fruit and the festival both are a great way to get people to interact with nature on a deeper level.
3: I really love it as sort of this golden egg for connecting people to nature, and it is, you know, when I go down and I gather the fruit and bring them to the top of the hill, it does give me chills sometimes to think about, you know the ancient nature of this and how many times this has happened and how it was forgotten for some time, but now people are learning about it again. And, you know, how many times did people sit on this hillside and eat pawpaws through history, you know, and it really does feel like a a really lucky thing.
2: For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown.
0: This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751. Patchy fog this morning becoming mostly sunny today. Highs in the 70s and low 80s. Chance of rain tonight, lows in the 50s. And rain and thunderstorms tomorrow with highs in the 60s and low 70s. Support for WVPB is provided by the Charleston Coliseum. Presenting Ringo Starr and his All-Star Band on October 9th. Tickets at Coliseum Box Office or Ticketmaster.com. This week is Banned Books Week. Groups like the American Library Association encourage people to look at the books that have been banned and think about why people attempt to remove them from public view. News Director Eric Douglas spoke with Megan Tarbett, the Director of the Putnam County Library and the President of the West Virginia Library Association to find out what it's all about. Why are we celebrating Books that have been banned uh, in
1: 1982. Uh, they kind of got it started uh, as a response to some of the the book challenges and uh, and protests that have been happening in like schools and things like that. The book challenges seem to be cyclical. You know, like some years they'll be really heavy, and then you know it'll hit a lull, and then it'll come back. Uh, so this was kind of like a response to that. It was a a way to bring awareness to. Um, to the nation, that you know these challenges were happening uh, nationwide, you know, in schools, in libraries, uh, and so they called it Banned Books Week. And here we are, all these years later.
2: Big picture, you want to discuss what some of the issues or why that's happening more recently now, or or is it purely just
3: cyclical? And
1: it, it is cyclical, but it 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 is also in uh, in today's uh, age of information all the time i do think people head to their keyboards or head to people they know in in outrage before they sometimes take a minute with what it is that's actually upsetting them uh and and not kind of like sitting with it for a minute and and thinking critically about you know why this particular book would be in a public library or would be in a school um especially with you know the things that people can find on the internet um you know it sometimes it feels slightly disingenuous that we're focusing so much on physical books when you know an internet search can bring so much so many more terrible things if if that's what you know you're really concerned about but of course we we take these concerns seriously
2: what is the response when um, when somebody wants to ban a book that's you know i mean we're not we're not talking some extremist pamphlet showing up in a in a school library this is something that's been vetted and and reviewed and researched by by librarians.
1: Well, speaking of unattributable uh, quotes on the internet, uh, my favorite and, you know, kind of my personal motto uh, is, you know, a good library has something in it to offend everyone. If you are looking at the whole of what we have uh, available in a public library or a school library uh, or, you know, an academic library, um, it runs the gamut. Like, you know, there are things I walk by that go, oh, I would never read that or that upsets me, but that's why it should be there, Um, you know, and and every library should have a, uh, like a procedure kind of ready for those, you know, um, and and a lot of systems, it's called like the reconsideration of, uh, of materials form. And so, you know, anyone can fill it out and it asks, you know, what book, what page, why? um, And then, you know, there is, there, there is a process, but what we are seeing right now is that some people are bypassing the process altogether. Um, I know, cause you know, a lot during a lot of these weeks, like, you know, freedom Read Free week and things like that, you know, we make a display, we put out books, um, and sometimes, you know, people will walk by and go, mm, I don't think I like that book. And they'll take it with them. And then they'll bypass the library's procedure altogether, uh, and go to, you know, a, a city council person or a county commissioner or, you know, the school board, or they just go straight to Facebook. They don't go to, you know, anyone else. They just go to their friends. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, we've, we've got a, we've got a a community that is unhappy.
2: What is the situation in West Virginia now?
1: Our Parkersburg libraries have, uh, have been dealing with some, some challenges um, the past six months to a year. I think they're over the worst of it, but there is still, you know, some, some challenges coming in. Um, What most likely happens in most West Virginia libraries and communities um, is kind of like, the, the quiet censoring. Uh, either, you know, a, a librarian might self censor what they order. If, you know, they might take a second look at a book that may be on a, a best of list, but, you know, they also have to evaluate it for their community and they may just decide not to purchase that item, which is a form of censorship in and of itself. Um, or, you know, sometimes, you know, if, if a patron doesn't particularly like a book, they'll borrow it and it never comes back. So there is that form of uh, kind of censorship uh, as well. So it really is, you know, the loud ones that you see, uh, you know, on the news and some of the more quiet ones. And honestly, it's it's kind of the quiet ones that, frankly, are more insidious than, you know, kind of the big noise ones, because then, you know, they're happening. But, you know, when you've got a, a one person library in a small town, I don't blame them for not wanting to, quote unquote, rock the boat. What haven't we talked about? You know, the the last few years. Um, and, and I, I'm very glad of this, uh, you know, as we talked earlier on banned books week can confuse, uh, some people you're like, why are you celebrating banning? Blah, blah, blah. So I like that, you know, the American library association and the freedom read to read foundation have really moved away from like the negative of like, look at all the things people want to ban to a positive, like, Hey, free people read freely. Let's keep that in mind. Uh, you know, let freedom read and making it a more positive thing to have all of these books available for people.
0: That was Megan Tarbet from the West Virginia Library Association, speaking with Eric Douglas about Banned Books Week. To listen to a longer version of this interview, visit our website at wvpublic.org. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Caroline McGregor is our Assistant News Director, and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.